AgTech360 discusses breakthrough technologies that are impacting growers, businesses, and consumers. Hear from industry and academic experts about what's on the horizon. So, hey everyone, this is Adrian Percy. I'm the Executive Director of the NC Plant Sciences Initiative here at NC State University. And I'm really delighted to be hosting another episode of AgTech360, where we talk to guests from vastly different backgrounds about their take on what's going on in agricultural science and in the agricultural community. And today I'm especially happy to be welcoming Dr. Catherine Polkoff. Catherine is the CEO and co-founder of a company called Hoofprint Biome, and we're going to learn all about that. But welcome, Catherine. Great to be here. It's great to have you. And um, I'm going to start off with you. I always like to kind of explore a little bit the backgrounds of the guests, how you kind of got into this whole ag tech thing, and, and before we talk about your company and what you're doing and what you're trying to solve for. So tell us a little bit about your background, but also, you know, what inspired you to get into, into science, into agriculture, and ultimately into uh, a new company like Hoofprint yeah, Big question, eh? so many, <laughs> so many events. I I feel like throughout my life have just like culminated in this. Uh, so it's really exciting to to be in the seat and be building something that I believe so strongly in. Um, but I think if you're from from where it started or what really got me hooked on science, probably just like the way my parents raised me of like ask questions and figure out how to answer them. And you know, we spent a lot of time doing that before Google existed. So that was just like general childhood of like, okay, I wonder why this thing is, and then how do we answer that? But um, more tangibly, uh, you know, I wanted to be a large animal vet for a long time. I loved horses, I loved cows, pigs, you, you name it. But by the time I got to university, you know, I had, had all these amazing experiences in chemistry and biology and physics, and kind of wondered if I was actually going to end up in vet school and uh, started doing research in a lab there. And my professor advisor at the time, CRISPR had just come online and he said, you know, I think you might kind of want to work on this and uh, set me up with a project doing gene editing in beef and dairy cattle. That was Matt Wheeler at the University of Illinois. Uh And as soon as I kind of figured out what you can do with biology, it was game over. I was fully hooked. No more vet school. No, not even even close. And that was, uh, you know, what I wanted to do from there on out. And so making the transformation from a researcher into actually an entrepreneur and ultimately leading a company. Before we talk about the company, tell, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I'll attribute a lot of that to my co-founder, Scott, who uh, saw me, we met when we were both doing our PhDs and he had the entrepreneurship bug and thought that I could be pretty good at it. And after he asked me three times to start a company with him, uh, I was finally convinced. But the thing that really, really got me convinced was that it allowed me to see where the gaps were and where there was real need for technology and to find a way to, to fill that gap. And sometimes in academia, uh, that pace and that progress goes a lot slower. And so by having a company as a vehicle and being decoupled from some of the infrastructure and approval processes that slow things down, um, we're really able to make progress on problems in the world. So I think being in industry is very exciting. Let's talk about your role and, and, and unexpected challenges you have, perhaps as a woman in, you know, in, in science, in agriculture, and, and you know, what, what were these challenges that you can describe and you know, how did you overcome them? I would say maybe surprises uh, is one thing. I think a lot of faculty positions or people in, especially on the business side, 
CEOs, uh, investors uh, in scientific technologies, in biotech especially. Uh, one example of the story is uh, two months into pitching our brand new company, you know, Scott and I put together a pitch deck and I go to this meeting by myself uh, and it's a room full of angel investors and I walk in and there's two companies pitching that day. I'm one of them and a different one is a man pitching his really cool company. And it's me in a room of 25 men and two women, including me. <laughs> and um, I was like, all right, well, I guess we're doing it. <laughs> this is how it's just going to work. And I pitch and the other founder gives, gives an amazing pitch. And, you know, it, it went well. And that has played out repeatedly as we fundraise. They're just... When you talk to investors, a lot of the people making the funding decisions are men and just, you know, uh, so I think as far as overcoming that, um, it's just a matter of like looking for what good female leadership looks like and, you know, taking those examples into your cards uh, in your deck and being an example of good female leadership yeah. and, and just making things happen. I think it's you know, a work in progress. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you totally. I mean, as a self-confessed middle-aged white man, um, I can totally get what you must have experienced because, you know, being in various different meetings, investor meetings, um, leadership meetings, you, there's a heavy dominance. There has been historically a heavy dominance of men in those roles. And I'm hoping, and one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, you know, as a next generation of women leaders, if I can... You know, be so bold to describe you like that. You. <laughs> um, you know, you're the ones that will make the difference and break down some of those barriers and and push through the glass ceilings, hopefully. And and then maybe in 20, 30 years, you'll be sitting the other side of the table <laughs> making those decisions. And yeah. So now let's talk about your company. Yeah. Um, but before we do that, let's talk about the why <laughs> and what you're trying to solve for. So, you know, methane from cattle, um, which is what Hoofprint is all about, yeah. so at least now. Tell us, what is the problem there? Why, why should we worry about it? Yeah, um, the reality is, and it's getting more and more attention in the news lately, is that cows make a lot of methane. And so we're talking cow burps. Cow burps, yeah. Actually, 95% of emission, emissions come from burps. And so it's actually uh, a process in the microbiome, in the fermentation uh, in the gut that makes the methane. But the reason it's getting so much attention is because cows make a lot of methane as part of the way that they digest their feed. And methane is almost 30 times more potent than carbon dioxide. And so... In terms of greenhouse gas Exactly. Emissions. So it has much more strong global warming effect on the planet than carbon dioxide. But there's an upside is that it only lasts in the atmosphere from 10 to 12 years. So that means if you stop methane emissions today, you could see a real cooling effect within 10 to 12 years, where carbon dioxide, you stop the emissions today, you have to wait 100 years. And so when, as a globe, we're thinking about, okay, how are we gonna solve this global warming problem? The first thing we have to stop is this really potent gas of methane production. And it's coming from all over, it's coming from oil and gas, and it's coming from cattle. So up to a third of methane emissions are, are coming from cattle. So if we can just find a way to get rid of those methane emissions, then we can really make huge progress and buy ourselves some time to make yeah. you know, the rest of the energy transition and the fuel transition. The North Carolina Plant Sciences Initiative impacts lives through innovative applications and discoveries. 
By leveraging cutting-edge research and technology, we address global challenges related to agriculture, sustainability, and human health. So a big issue with, I'm assuming from your perspective, a great opportunity to help solve that through your company's activities. So just talk us through why you formed Hoofprint Biome and, and, and how are you going to solve um, so there's a number of hurdles to get this technology out there. Starting at the beginning, the reason we formed Hoofprint is because there's so many technologies coming out of you know biotechnology space, biomedical space. You know, there's been a lot of money in the research um, in biology and primarily for human therapeutics, um, but that technology hasn't really made it back to the livestock sector yet. Just you know, all of the money is for human therapeutics, and so uh, my co-founder Scott and I have. Um, really a deep understanding and mastery of these technologies and these these tools. And we formed Hoofprint with the idea to bring these tools back to the livestock sector and to solve some of the fundamental problems in the sector. The second piece is that the margins in agriculture are so narrow, and especially in livestock production. Like there is not a lot of funding to be spending on extra equipment, extra, you know, feed additives that are going to just ultimately destroy the profitability of the operation. And so we need to have a solution that offers benefits to producers and has a really low cost of production. And so uh, that's kind of where we're going with our product. Yeah. So talk, can you talk a little bit about the product, you know, what it what it is, how it's how it's administered or, or ingested or whatever? Absolutely. So. The way methane production works in a cow is that the cows eat the forage and then it's actually the microbes in the rumen, which is like one of the chambers of the stomach, uh, break down that forage into nutrients for the cow. Uh, but also when they're doing this fermentation process, some of the microbes are actually making methane instead of energy for the cow. And it's actually a cost to the cow. It costs up to 12% of feed energy that's leaking away as methane. And so the big discovery that we have made at Hoofprint Biome is enzymes that eliminate the methane from that process. And in order to get those enzymes into the cow at a cost-effective means and a way that offers profitability to producers, we're using probiotics uh, to de deliver with these enzymes uh, that improve the feed efficiency, improve the animal health, you know, decrease respiratory disease, decrease diarrhea. There's a whole slew of uh, beneficial effects that come from this probiotic. And combined with these enzymes, we can also eliminate the methane at the same time. So the idea is that you have this win-win. It's a product that the producers would already want to use anyway. And then you get that elimination of, of methane in tandem. And plus you've got a better cow, a healthier cow, I guess a more productive cow. Makes more milk. Yeah. Makes more milk or Eats whatever. Way faster, yeah. Exactly. And, and are there other benefits potentially for ranchers or livestock producers that are, you know, using these types of technologies? Yeah, and I think that's there's a big question in the industry about, okay, how are we going to give credit? How are we going to incentivize adoption of climate-friendly practices? You know, we've seen you know, benefits on the land, we've seen carbon credits, um, but I think there's a lot of work left to be done in the industry about how um, how producers and ranchers and farmers are going to get the benefit monetarily from those credits. And I've seen Hoofprint Biome all over the news recently. Um, congratulations on securing a, uh, 
a recent funding round led by AgriZero New Zealand. Yes. And I'm assuming they are uh, some form of impact investor who are very concerned about you know, methane emissions, but also in their home territory, I guess, in New Zealand, which is a big dairy dairy producer, this is especially the case for them. Yeah, absolutely. And New Zealand has made it clear that they want to lead in the space of how are we going to do regenerative livestock production, cattle production. Um, if you go to New Zealand, I'm, I think you've been, uh, you'll drive anywhere and see cows. <laughs> like that's all you see. And if you don't see cows, you see, see sheep, which also make methane. So um, New Zealand has spent a lot of time and energy into um, finding companies like us and helping clear the way for, you know, having a product on the market that can foreseeably reduce methane from their animals in the immediate future as fast as possible. So. Yeah, so I guess you've got, you know, investors who are interested but and who are helping to support these types of technologies, but you've also got governments, like in New Zealand and other places around the world, who are driving policy, which to agree will incentivize, hopefully, farmers to, to adopt these kind of practices. Yeah, and I think we would be strong supporters once the technology, once our technology uh, is readily and widely available. You know, I think a government policy and global government policy could really help um, spread the impact and hasten the timelines. I think one thing that we constantly talk about at the company is that, you know, most of the time in a startup, it's like a race to, you know, can the startup make it? Can we get profitable fast enough? But I think for us, the pressure is really like, this is this is a crisis of the world and we, we need to get a product out there so that we can solve this problem in time to avoid a, a climate disaster. So we're recording this around the International Day of Girls and Women in Science, which is great, obviously, to have you in and address, you know, some of these aspects of not just what you're doing, but, you know, who you are and how you've, you know, Man maneuvered through um, through the through uh, this industry so far. So, do you have any advice for for young women or girls who are thinking of emulating what you're doing and, and moving into science or entrepreneurship? Yeah, um, first of all, do it. I mean, it's an amazing it's amazing career path. It's it's so rewarding, and if it's something that you honestly get a lot of enjoyment out of and, and you really want to dive into, then do it. There's nothing stopping you. Um, the second piece is. One that's been helpful for me is when I think about what leadership is and what you know it means to just execute is just keep making decisions, and and a lot of females honestly feel a little bit more anxious or nervous to ask for things or go get what they want or reach out for things. And um, I guess the advice would be just make the decision, do it, and find a way to get it done. <laughs> AgTech360 shares relevant news and breakthroughs with audiences across the globe. Stay connected and join the conversation by following NCPSI on social media.